Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 329 of the Big Show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Long weekend, Labor Day long weekend. Labor Day where no one works. Uh... But September, folks, fall is here, kids are back to school, it's kind of signify, I guess it kind of signals the end of summer, but it was a heck of a summer, uh, you know, can't complain, uh, if you're a heat fan around here, you uh, definitely got lots of sun, not a lot of rain, I don't know how happy the farmers are going to be, but uh, uh, no, it was a fun summer, busy, worked a lot, um, well, still working. Had to work working this week. I'm actually recording this Friday night. Look at look at me ahead of the game. I've uh, got some stuff coming up on the weekend, plus some working and uh, just in the mornings. But still, got to go. Um, so I kind of wanted to get this wrapped up early. So this is the type of thing I do for you people. There you go. Hope you appreciate it out there. You know, I'm going to bring you some audio pleasure on your long weekend. Uh, hopefully you're up at the lake for maybe the last time and hanging out in the deck and headphones on. Well, close your eyes, enjoy that ice cold beverage, and let me take you away here. We watch the sights and the sounds as they fly through the air. Okay, well here we'll take a drink and then we'll we'll get into this nonsense. So what are we going to talk about today? That is the question. Well, I'm going to say right off the start, I have a couple lists, so I got Tim's attention. We're going to, once again, I, I'm really, I am squeezing this for all it's worth here. You know, of course, Enforcer Week, which was a few weeks back now for the hockey news, and uh, some of their great writers, oh, what wordsmiths, uh, they put together their top five fighters, and they had a bunch of different teams, I don't know, it was about 15 or 16 of them. Well, today we're going to do the... Uh, Arizona Coyotes and uh, Colorado Avalanche. So there, there we go. We're gonna do, we're gonna do those lists. So uh, also, my week on the internet coming up here shortly. Basically, where I rant and rave and yell at people and yeah, all that fun stuff. But first, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's a hundred shows on the network now, if you can believe it. Oh, it was once a tiny fledging little, the little engine that could network now has a hundred strong. So that's pretty cool. So I am over on the original content creator side, along with not only Terry Ryan, who actually, Terry Ryan, congratulations. Uh, I know he's up playing in the Masters Ball Hockey World Championships for Team Canada right now. Uh, He has just signed on in Edmonton with uh, Sports uh, Radio 1440. And uh, look forward to uh, hearing TR out here in Western Canada and what he's going to be doing. So 
uh, listen to his podcast. He has, he'll have the whole update here coming up here in the next episode. Also, Jolton Joel Lazito at the Coliseum Chronicles. Uh, he has just released the, uh, well, it was from his original platform. It's the, the lost episodes. Cause if you went back, uh, his first bunch of episodes were missing. Uh, so he is re-uploading them and it's actually part two with Dean Ewan and, uh, tremendous, uh, great interview, uh, Dean, minor league legend, uh, and a, and a, and a good friend with Joe. So, I mean, it's a real in-depth interview and, uh, you, you know, and through the friendship, um, you know, obviously could get that interview, I mean, better than anyone else could. So highly recommend you check that out. Also, Joe has a tremendous back catalog, Fakoda, Jason Strudwig, Aaron Asham, on and on. Go check it out for yourself. Don't, don't take my word for it. Don't just take my word for it. And, uh, and then of course we got Alec. Alec's been, you know, got some car issues, although he got a new car today. New Jeep. I, I don't know. It was the Barbie Jeep. I don't know, but it looked good. He sent me the picture. Looked pretty sharp sitting there in the, you know, out in the shed or whatever they call that, a lean to. I don't know what it is in North Kakalaki, but, uh, looks sharp. Uh, so I gotta be, like I said, knocking wood. I, I, I shouldn't do that because there's nothing worse than car issues. So, uh, yeah, the, uh, his last one, I, I believe it was the, uh, I don't know if it was a gremlin or a pinto that he had, but it, uh, it finally gave up the goat. So, uh, he had to, uh, he had to splurge. Man, I wish I had his car budget where he's tossing around money. I gotta talk to the network here. They gotta, I might, I might be getting shorted here. These guys are throwing around money like nobody's business. So. You know, driving around. I'm I'm out here driving an 09. What am I doing wrong here? <laughs> but uh, check out Alex' back catalog again. Segroy, Buy Lois, Rob Ray. Get speaking of Rob Ray, we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but yes, tremendous. Also, Jordan at five in a game. He's still out working the rigs. Always, always working. But this fall, he'll be back in Cape Breton, back home for a few months, and uh, he will get back at her with his show. So. Uh, yeah, lots of good stuff here on the network. So speaking of good stuff, I want to thank everybody. Um, before we get into this episode, my last episode was with Catlin Big Snake. Uh, I played a little junior hockey and of course, uh, now no, he was an ice war. He was an ice wars three last month in uh, Wyoming and, uh, did, did really well. Won his first bout, lost a decision in extra rounds in the second bout. Uh, to Andre Tebow, but he did a, he had a great showing and, uh, he was a great guest. Came on, talked about his junior journey and then, uh, you know, getting ready, getting the call get from Morasty to go into Ice Wars and his training and then the mind, you know, just the, the game planning that went into it and, uh, good dude. I want to thank him again for coming on the show. I want to thank everybody who took the time to listen to that show as it was, uh, it was rocketing up the charts. I believe it got up to last time I looked, it was at, like 65 or something in Canada and like 50 something in the U in the UK. So that was pretty cool. Um, so I want to thank everybody who took the time to, uh, to listen to that show and, uh, yeah, a lot of fun. Good guest. Um, but yeah, other than that guys, um, oh, if you happen to be on social media, as I would say, I don't know why you do that to yourself, but if you are fourth line voice on Twitter, as well as on Facebook and if you happen to be on the YouTubes, go check it out. Uh, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube. I have over 2,000 videos on there. All different leagues. Whatever league you're looking for, just punch it into the search engine. Boom, boom, boom. Up it'll come. WHL, OHL, NH, 
NHL, AHL, you name it, it's there. Starting to drink my beer and I already got the hiccups now. Right, look at this. But uh, real professional outfit we got here. Um, but yes, uh, and if you happen to be watching the video and you enjoy it, uh, hit the little thumbs up button there. YouTube loves that shit. So if you could do that, that would be tremendous. And same thing with the, uh, not only myself, but Alec or Joe, whatever podcast you happen to be listening to. If you enjoy a podcast, I know you guys listen to lots of different stuff out there. Uh, hit the star rating on iTunes and on Spotify or whatever platform you happen to be listening to. Again, it's something that you do, you can do to help out the creator. And again, it helps out in the algorithms for us. So, like I always say, you're holding it in your hand anyway. You're hitting play and whatever. Right above it's the star rating. Just hit that and submit it. I would, uh, not only myself, but as I said, Alec, Joe, and anybody, believe me, anybody that does a podcast would appreciate you doing that. So if you could do that, that's the last thing. Uh, download, don't stream. That's how we, uh, that's how they track things and that's how we get paid around here. So no streaming, just download, please. There, that's my last, my, my last plea. You won't hear any more from me. But, uh, not this episode anyway. But, uh, how about we get into this, uh, this business here? My week on the internet. All right. Um, well, the first one, uh, yeah, this is just a classic, uh, uh, you know, just a classic example of people that just don't get it. I just want to look this up real quick so I don't get the guy's name wrong. It's a basketball story, but it does relate. I will have a story after this. Um, Brian uh, Scalabrini uh, he, he played for the Boston Celtics. I'm sure he probably played for a few teams, but he was, a, you know, a bench guy, role player. Uh, anyway, he had people tell him that he could be beaten in a one-on-one because he was just a role player in the NBA. And he responded with, I'm closer to, I'm closer to LeBron than you are to me. And he actually ended up playing four people, one of which had a Division I basketball experience. And he beat everyone by a total of 44-6 to in four one-on-one games. Yeah, see, this is the utter buffoonery of people online. Um, like... <laughs> Maybe it's because they sit and watch it on TV and professional athletes make it look so easy that I guess when they're watching it, they think it's easy too, which is amazing. Because I'm thinking the people that probably flap their lips like this shit don't actually really play a sport or certainly have never played anything competitively. Um, it's baffling to me. Like uh, When you're an elite level athlete, the percentage, like I'm even talking like junior hockey. Like the it, the the filtering system that goes through that, the the very small percentage that plays junior, then plays college, then he plays in the minors, let alone the NHL. It's staggering the numbers. You think of the millions of kids that are or hundreds and hundreds of thousands of kids that are playing hockey every winter. How many of them make junior? How many of them make college? And then the pro. You know, it's you know yet these buffoons. We'll talk, case in point, I had a seasonal kid a couple years ago, sitting in our lunchroom, I don't know, we were, I don't know how the conversation came up, but he said, oh, like, on our, on our, on our rec, on our men's league team, old, you know, uh, you know, Dennis on our, our leading score on our men's league team, he could at least play in the East Coast League for sure, this kid said. And I just looked at him and started la- I'm like, well, did Dennis play in the East Coast League previously? No, I don't think so. I'm like, but you figure 
because he leads your, he leads the uh, you know the Jiffy Lube Jets in scoring in the Division C League out of the Adult Safe League at the Gemini here in Saskatoon on nine o'clock on Tuesday nights. Uh, you figure he could just roll into the coast and maybe you know you know yeah oh okay yeah go play with the Florida Everblades and just really tear it up. Do you? I'm just looking at this kid. I'm like, and I said, do you know how stupid you sound right now? I said, Dennis could step on the ice with the AAA midget team right now and would get, like, bulldozed. Like, are you serious? You know, let alone junior team. Let alone a professional. Like, oh, well, what's that league that you like? I'm like, I don't know what that means. And he's like, no, that fighting league. I'm like, oh, the Quebec, like the LNH? Yeah, he could play in that for sure. Oh, yeah, sure he could. Oh, like just, oh. Well, he leads your team. Oh, yeah, no, he's, you realize that the majority of guys playing, you're playing against aren't wearing shoulder pads. Like, (laughs) you know, like, you know, and you're playing against, uh, you know, no one back checks and uh, there's no hitting. And the benches are about, you know, you got about nine guys per team, you know, and the, and you're playing, uh, you know, and the and the cl- and the time doesn't stop. But oh yeah, but it, other than that, it's exactly like the East Coast League. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyway, I love it every once in a while though with these like these couch jockeys just get a dose of reality. Like I could see these losers yapping this basketball guy up online, and then he's just like. Absolutely destroys him in a matter of about two and a half minutes. Oh, embarrassing. Speaking of embarrassing, um, somebody posted the Morasti Bosse fight. One of their fights. I mean, well, how many did they have? Eight or something? Uh, anyway, they posted up the fight. And of course, all the comments. Well, what beer league is this? What league is this? What league is that? The, and I'm like, and I just typed back to the one guy. I said, hired any league you ever played in. Yeah. Oh, I doubt it. Oh, yeah. No, the the LNAH is a, just one step up above beer league. Oh, sure it is. Yeah, do you have any idea who plays in that league? Like this is what I mean. You just it's just this. Everybody's just got to these people in the comment section just got to flap their fucking lips and have no clue. So I said to the one guy, I said, "So you're shit talking the league?" I said, "You don't know." Even, I said, "You're shit talking. You don't even know what league it is." I, I'm like, and he goes, oh, it, it's just jokes, bro. Yeah, no, it's not just jokes. You had no, that wasn't a joke at all. You just decided to come on here, talk shit, and I just called you on it, and you're humana, humana, humana. Yeah. You know, so I, I don't know what league it is. Well, see, so you don't know what league it is, but yet you'll still talk shit about it. You know, completely not knowing anything about what's going on. Oh, classic. Yeah. Well, this looks like the UFC. I'm like, well, one guy actually fought in the UFC. You know, and they're, oh yeah, well they're probably both brain dead dummies now. Oh, okay, again, we're just going to double down on the ignorance. Well, one guy's a firefighter in Quebec and runs, a, and on the side has a very successful family business. And uh, the other guy's, uh, you know, the band chief uh, back on his reservation. And at one time owned a Tim Hortons. Yeah, no, no, yeah, real couple, and is on a TV, at a, on a hit TV show in Canada. Yeah, what, what a bunch of dummies. Like, just shut up, all right? Like, you don't know. You admit you don't know, but yet you double down and keep running your fucking yap. Just shut it. It's just, again, it's this ignorance online. It's just embarrassing. Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. 
The one guy, they don't look very tough to me. Oh, okay, killer. <laughs> Get a hold of them then. Try them out. Yeah. One guy was about 500 hockey fights against everybody. The other guy played the LNH and then fought in the UFC. But they don't look that tough to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, come on. And they can say they're just... These guys are serious. When they say this shit online, it's not to... When they get called on, you okay, bro. Yeah, no. You, you legitimately believe that, don't you? You fucking clown. Like, oh, uh, yeah. What the one guy put. Yeah. Neither of these guys could... What was it? Oh, uh, could take Nicholas Delorier. Oh, oh, yeah? Okay, sure. I'm not knocking Delorier, but... <laughs> really? All right. Go look at some... Figure... Well, first of all, you don't know... You, you didn't know who the two were. You didn't know what league it was. Then you're told what's going on, and now you're going to double... Triple down. You're, what, you're splitting cards now. Okay. You have no idea who these two individuals are. Go look up some fight cards and see who these guys fought first. Ugh. And then finally, on my uh, my week on the internet, it's been a long enough week. Um, much like the Ottawa situation, uh, Chris brought it up, old Y2J there, the Buffalo guy. Uh, he's been on the show a few times. Um, it was discussed about Rob... It must have been on sport, Buffalo Sports Radio, um, or... Whatever they were talking, the the topic of I don't know if they're going to do it. It's being discussed, or if it was just being bantied about. And someone mentioned it um, about putting Rob Ray's name up, retiring his name or his jersey up in the rafters or on a Ring of Honor or whatever it is that the Buffalo Sabers have. Um, and of course, a few bunch of people chimed in, and of course, the one guy's like. Before McGillney and Andrew Truck and Lava, this is ridiculous. And you don't put goons up there and everything else. And it was the same thing with Ottawa with Chris Neal. Which these buffoons, obviously, first of all, it's not a Hall of Fame thing. That's all these people just get wrapped up in stats and just... No, I'm not saying McGillney and them shouldn't be up there. Of course they should be. But that's not... This isn't the point of what the Ring of Honor means for these teams. It's not about stats and how many goals you had for the team. It's what you meant to the team. And what did Rob Ray mean to the Buffalo Sabres? Well, he won like, he was the King Clancy winner one year. He was the Sabres man of the year a bunch of times. He played a thousand games with the, with the Buffalo Sabres. Did tireless work in the community and stuck up and bled for the logo for however many seasons. But this idiot's going to, why, ah, he didn't impress me much with his fighting. Okay, well, who are you? Again, I'm not sure who you are. Like, you have a say in this? Like, yeah, so once again, and it's the same thing with the Neil thing. He played his, he played his entire career in Ottawa. Again, fought for all those guys. It's always funny. You never see any of the ex-players or their teammates coming out and say, well, that's so stupid. Why is that happening? No, they were all pumped. They were all there for it. They were, you know... Yeah, the boys know, which is all that matters anyway. It's not some goof on some site that, oh, he didn't impress me. He had to come out of his jersey to win fights. Oh, yeah, okay, dummy, whatever. Like, just completely missing the entire point of the whole exercise. Again, like I said, it's the stat geeks that get wrapped up in it. And, oh, no, well, like, you only have this many. Well, why can't McGillney be in it, too? Like, why... Uh, uh, what up? 
you know what? I'm a- I'm actually done talking about it. It's just it's mind blowing to me. It's these they just get so. Yeah, it, it, these are the dorks that read the hockey news and the Damian Coxes and the Ken Campbells and you know and the who's the other shithead for the Globe and Mail? He had a big friggin' wart in the side of his face. Ah, oh, what the hell is his name? Ah, it doesn't matter. That's how important he is to me. Um, you know, it, and it's just these clowns. But unfortunately, they have a reach, and these are the buffoons that read their shit, and you know. And they completely miss the point. Why would a goon? Why are we retiring goons? Let, let's pick Gordonley then too. Yeah, because that's the same as Rob Ray. Uh, outside of hey, no, I love I, I love me some Gordonley, but I mean Gordonley played what? How many seasons in Buffalo? A few, and then it moved on. No, again, we're talking about a guy who won community awards, played a decade and more in your city. Uh, shut up! Just stop. Anyway, that's my week on the internet. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets. Anything can happen in college football. Your team can go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock are the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope Y. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 years age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. All right, let's get into it here. Let's get into these lists. I got Tim's on the edge of his seat here. Tim's got stuff to do, so he's like, let's get into these lists. See, lately, folks, I got to say, you know, I kept saying I'm not going to talk for long. And uh, we're moving along quite briskly here. Uh, So, you know, I say that now, but maybe we get bogged down with these lists. So we'll see. Um, we're going to start here with the Arizona Coyotes. Over the years, the Arizona Coyotes had some big-time enforcers, but none greater than these five. Remy Maste wrote this. All right, Remy. Okay, I got to... Oh, hold on. Fighting is a huge part of what draws fans into the game of hockey. Since the Arizona Coyotes became a franchise in 1996, the team has had quite a few enforcers. But which players are the toughest to ever wear the Coyotes uniform? Now, close my eyes. As I always say with these lists, um, I have not checked these yet. I am discovering them with you. So uh, let, let's let's find out, shall we? Uh, I'm going scro- to scroll down to the bottom. That way, because uh, they usually like to go uh, one to five. 
Alright. Number five, Jim Cummins. 75 games, 236 fights with the Coyotes. Cummins played 75 games for 97-99 for the Coyotes, but still managed to rack up 36 fights. Cummins was the definition of a true enforcer. It was fighting that ultimately got him more playing time on the fourth line during his time in the Valley. Cummins' 190 penalty minutes during the 98-99 season with the Coyotes was the second most of his career, just trailing his 199 total through 96-97 with the Blackhawks. Um, yeah, I love me some Jim Cummins. I'm down with uh, with uh, with him. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, let's, you know, hey, Jim, Jim was a bit of a catcher, you know, but uh, hey, you want to be entertained? Put on a Jim Cummins fight. That's all I got to say. I, he's one of those guys, I was calling video fighters, like stuck his chin out, went for it, you know, kill or be killed. And uh, hey, I, you know, whatever, you know, the win-loss record might not have been sparkling, but uh, he was never boring. And uh, yeah, I'm down with Jim Cummins, fucking A. All right, number four, George LaRock, 56 games, eight fights at the Coyotes. While LaRock did not spend too much time in Arizona, he made his impact felt throughout the, his one year at the team. During 06-07, LaRock found a home in the penalty box, taking the role as the Coyotes' enforcers. LaRock stood 6-3, using an advantage strike fear into his opponents, and the majority of time he outmuscled them. It's a special kind of enforcer to play just one season with the Coyotes, but be on the list. That's exactly who LaRock was. Yeah, I mean... I've always said George LaRock. I mean, he's in my top five of all time. Um, it's always tough when you do the list. It, like, or how you're... I guess it's like you have to sort of clarify. It's like, who's the best fighter to ever wear the uniform? Well, if it was the best fighter to ever wear a Coyote uniform, it, LaRock should be number one. But it's like, oh, how many... You know, but then it's like, no, but I went by the fights that he had while he was with the team. Okay, well, that's a little different. Because George was sort of at the end of the line in Arizona. I know he was there when Gretzky was the coach, and I don't know if him and Gretzky got along. Or I don't know if it wasn't they didn't get along. I In his book, I remember LaRock saying that Gretzky was a shitty coach and whatever. I can't remember, though, if they didn't like each other. I don't think that was the case, but I think he just couldn't get going under Gretzky. So, um, but I actually completely forgot about George. I knew he was, I, I mean, I know he played in Arizona, obviously, because I read his book, so I and I, I mean, I've seen his fights. I know he played in Arizona, but it was one of the. It was. It wasn't very memorable. We'll put it that way. If I well, again, now now I'm being one of that person. I don't remember his fights, and then I'm telling you it wasn't very memorable. Um, but I know this is sort of. Uh, yeah, again, though, if we're gonna say the toughest guy to ever wear their uniform, yeah, I would say it was George. Um, but. If we're just going by his time with the, or these guys' times with the Coyotes. All right, I get it. All right. Number three, Jim McKenzie. There you go. Jim McKenzie played for the Winnipeg Jets last season before relocating to Phoenix. Is with the Coyotes during his first two seasons of existence. McKenzie really was one of the first enforcers in the Coyotes organization has ever truly had. Braced the role as a tough guy. He stood a staggering 6'4", established himself at the top of the list. Top enforcers in the NHL during his time in the desert. Yeah, I mean, Jim McKenzie's a bad dude, man. Uh, kind of, I don't know. I know, oh, Tony's just cringing when I say this, when I say he's underrated. Um, I mean, not by fight. I mean, fight fans, I always said, fight fans know how good he was. Like, legit fight fans know how good Jim McKenzie was. But I think for just maybe the Fairweather fans or the, you know, whatever, I think he kind of flies under people's radars because he played in Phoenix and in Winnipeg and stuff like that. Um, I mean, if he had played in a major market like Boston or Philly, could you imagine Jim McKenzie playing for the Flyers? 
I mean, yeah. But McKenzie's a bad dude, man. I think uh, my well, it's, it's the same criticism I had for LaRock the other the other day, isn't that But they're too nice. They were. Uh, I think they let guys off the hook. McKenzie was kind of like one of those air quote code fighters. Um, unless you got really pissy, you got pissy every once in a while. I don't think Daryl Sador would agree with my assessment, but, uh, no, I mean, you know, one of those guys off your jersey came over, he wouldn't hit you, blah, 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 you know, stuff like that. Um, but could go with both hands, seamless, big guy. Um, yeah, McKenzie, yeah, yeah Mackenzie's a bad dude, man. I mean, I can't, how am I arguing with this list so far? This is pretty good. I got to say, old Remy, you've been solid. What do we got at number? But I mean, if, well, like I said, yeah, I, I I can't remember here. Hold on, I gotta I gotta close my eyes. I don't want to see the two and one here. I'm gonna I gotta read the, the the start again. How did he word it? Fighting is a huge part. Draws since the Arizona front, quite a few enforcers. Which players are the toughest to ever put on a Coyotes uniform? Okay, so again, I like I said, you gotta sort of word these things how. Again, as I said, are, is, is it the best fighter to ever put on a Coyote uniform? Well, I would have LaRock at number one. I'd probably have McKenzie at number two. Um, you know, and that's not without... I haven't even seen who two and one are yet on this list. But they can't be better than McKenzie and LaRock. I'm just going through the Coyotes' history. I don't... I, I'm not, nothing's coming to my head. So, uh, let's see here. Let's scroll back. Number two is... Bissonette. Um, all right. Uh, Paul Bissonette, known as one of the top hockey personalities on TNT, but many forgot his track record as an enforcer in the NHL. Bissonette played for the Coyotes from 2009 to 2012. Instant fan favorite due to his knack to fighting. Not all players are remembered by their highlight reel goals. Bissonette will always be remembered for being an enforcer, a trait that helped shape his personality and career. Um, 120 games, 40 fights with the Coyotes. How many fights did McKenzie have? 54. Yeah, LaRock had eight. Okay. Well, if you're going to, right there, if you're going to say, well, no, it's their fights in a Coyote uniform. Well, I would have McKenzie ahead of Bissonette. Um, I know Bissonette's always the butt, the, bunt, the butt of the joke. Um, you know, deprecating. I mean, he's he's in on it too. Has made a career out of that. No, as a plug and blah, 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 grocery stick and all that stuff. Uh, Bissonette actually wasn't that bad of a fighter. When I go back, now again, come on, that. Is he beating LaRock and McKenzie? No. But, you know, was Bissonette just all awful? No. He wasn't bad. Again, product of his environment. I've always said the thing I will give Paul Bissonette complete marks for um, is he really coming up through junior in the minors, he wasn't a fighter. Um, he would fight, but he certainly was not an enforcer. He was in an OHL All-Star game. He was an East Coast League All-Star. Um, like, Bissonette was a decent defenseman. You know, but he also knew he did not have the skill level at, on D to make it in the NHL. So he found another way to do it. And it was by turning himself into an enforcer. Um, and that's not, oh, no, I'm just going to fight then. Like, it's not just something you're just going to go do. Oh, I'll just fight then. No, you either have it or you don't have it. And you can't, I've always said, the saying is you can't, you know, you can't paint stripes on a house cat and call it a tiger. It doesn't work that way. You can't just flip a switch one day and I'm going to be a fighter now. Like, no, you have to, to embrace that, to go the anxiety that goes with it, the mental anguish that goes with it. Um, and I give him full marks for doing that. Um, you know, again, was he some killer? No. Was he awful? No. He's be- He's better than he gives himself credit for. I was actually going to do... See, the reason 
Um, I was going to do a Bissonette. I will. One of these days I'll do it. Um, a player spotlight on Bissonette and go, and I, I was doing it. I was going through his card one night. I don't know. I got sidetracked or an interview happened. I can't remember. Anyway, I got kind of sidetracked on the player spotlight, but I was far like, cause it wasn't like I watched Bissonette's fights with, you know, just, uh, you know, and had him under a microscope when he was playing. I mean, I knew who he was and I saw some of his fights, but I never, you know, again, this is kind of when my watching of hockey was sort of going away. So, um, I didn't pay all that much attention, but when you go and watch like when you do a spotlight, like I would say, when you go down the rabbit hole of a guy of his career and you kind of watch all his shit right in a row, it gives you a lot, you get a lot better feel for the guy. And, uh, I went back and I, like I said, I went through Bissonette's NHL stuff and it was like, you know what? Pretty solid. And, um, yeah, I, uh, again, um, you know, I can see him being on a Coyotes list. Um, I wouldn't have him in front of LaRock and McKenzie. Um, I might have him in front of Cummins maybe, but him and Cummins, you know, five, five, four, switch around, whatever. But yeah, I could see that. But, uh, I have no problem with Biz on this, on this list. Not where he is, but not at two, but, uh, yeah, I'm down with this and that. I'm I'm curious to see uh, to know who number one is. If you have Mackenzie Larock, Bissonette, and Cummins, uh, who I'm trying to Arizona like, well, they wouldn't put Kachuk there or something. But who knows? Let's find out here. Drum roll. Number one is, oh, tremendous. Oh. Chris, speaking of Chris, I talked about Y2J. He is going to be pumped. Number one, Andre Nazarov. Uh, 122 games, 43 fights in the Coyotes. I didn't realize he fought that much Coyotes. Nazarov, known as the Russian bear for a reason. 01 to 04 with the Coyotes. Nazarov uses aggressive nature and quick temper to establish himself as one of the most intimidating players in the NHL. Standing six foot five, Nazarov struck fear into his opponents. He was not afraid to throw punches, consistently found himself in the penalty box during his time in Arizona. The Russia data was hard to read and understand, making him even more intimidating to opposing players. Um, no, no. Nazarov was awful. Um, well, he was a great, he was dirty. Uh, he wasn't afraid to eye gouge and headbutt, and uh, he did a number of things. Uh, oh, Chris, I could tell you right now, old Y2, old Chris there in Buffalo, he's yelling at his dashboard right now. Yeah. Watch the Coxus. Um, but yeah, he, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> no, no. Uh, Nazarov should not be anywhere, any, anywhere near a top five list. Um, no, he, uh, I don't know how many, 43 fights, he might have landed 43 punches. I don't remember Nazarov really winning much. Um, again, big guy. I still can't believe he got taken in the first round by San Jose. Like, that's a terrible draft pick. Um, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, I never got the whole Nazarov thing. I certainly didn't get him as a first round pick. I can remember watching him come up and sound because oh, this big Russian guy. You see, oh, he's Pims, he's crazy. Oh, so really? Okay. And I remember seeing some Kansas City Blade stuff, and then guess the NHL. And you're watching it. It's like, no, this guy's awful. Like, I remember, yeah. So, yeah. All right. I'm just thinking with Arizona. Like, uh, I don't know off the top. Like, I'm not looking at any raw. I'm just again. This is all. Um, 
like I said, I'm, 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 I didn't have time to prep for this because, like I said, I always do these on the fly, the list, just so the reactions are natural. But um, so I haven't looked into their all-time roster. I'm just thinking, you got uh, Josh Gratton, who I would have a like, yeah. Brad May was there, Kachuk, Tockett. Uh, oh, Todd Simpson. There we go. I love me some Todd Simpson. Uh, I don't know how many fights he had in Phoenix, but I like him. Uh, he was always a great, like, all those guys, even Kachuk, I'd have ahead of Nazaroff. Like, Nazaroff was terrible. Um, Carcillo? Yeesh. He's got the sour belches, but even then, like, I'd have him there too. Um, yeah, so I mean, overall, Remy, I was with you on the list here, and then you hit me with this one. And, uh, yeah. Your, your credibility dropped a little. Um, but no, as far as the list goes, I, you know, I'd have Mackenzie and LaRock, one, two, uh, you know, three, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, I could, Bissonette or Cummins, sure. Um, if it's in terms of service and stuff, I think probably, didn't Carcillo play there the longest? I mean, I guess you got to put him in there. He did a lot of fighting when he was there, you know. Uh, I think he did. Uh, anyway, there, there's the list for the Arizona Coyotes. So, uh, well, that was a that was a real humdinger. So, uh, well, it was actually it was good up until the until the number one spot. I sit there after I read Bissonnette at two. I'm like, well, we got LaRock and McKenzie. I'm like, who the hell's number one? All right, well, there we go. Um, what was the other list I said we were going to do? Oh, the Avalanche. All right, here we go. Well, I'm looking, well, now I'm looking forward to this one now after all these shenanigans. All right, Colorado Avalanche. Um, oh, Colleen Flynn. We have our first female writer here. Colorado, the Colorado Avalanche of today are more finesse than fight, but the team hasn't always been that way. The modern Avalanche are not considered a brute team, but back in the day, there were some real bruisers. All right. Way back in the day before the franchise moved from Quebec, the all-time pendulum leader was and still is Dale Hunter. But here are my top five enforcers for the Avs since the team's moved to Denver. Okay, well, there we go. So I'm going to close my eyes, go down to the bottom, because they usually like to go one to five, and I like to go five to one. So, okay, now we're at the bottom. We'll scroll up. Number five. Well, we're off to we're off to a good start here, Colleen. Adam Foot. Oh, nickname Footer. All right. Five hundred ninety-two games, uh, seventeen fights. Okay. Uh, the only defenseman on the top five list, Adam Foot, was quite notable as an Avs enforcer, even though he didn't rack up the fight totals. Well, if you didn't rack up fight totals, you're not an enforcer. But all right. Uh, I'll read this first. I guess I should keep my comments to myself. Uh, Foot was six foot two and had a mean right cross, but fought with intensity and grit. Drafted by the Nordiques in '89, he played 13 seasons at the Nordiques slash Avalanche before he left for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, yeah, I completely forgot Foot played in Columbus. Uh, but after a three-year stint there, he was traded back to Colorado, where he played until he retired. 2010-2011 season he may not have won all his battles, but he never backed down from a challenge and always protected his teammates. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> well, I mean, he was a gritty D-man for sure, glassing out and, you know, clear the net. I mean, he's a guy you'd want on your team on a de- as, a, as a defenseman, as a pairing, obviously, by the amount of games he played and everything else. I'm not knocking his talent, but 
to call Adam Footman. Forrester, Colleen, you're stretching here. You're making me take up drinking. All right. So, well, swing and a miss. All right. Well, there we go. That's, uh, I mean, I'd have Nazaroff in front of Adam Foot, but here we, here we go. All right. We'll go up. Number four, Adam Deadmarsh. Uh, nickname Deader. Oh, she's throwing nicknames in too. Uh, 453 games, 47 fights at the Avalanche. Six feet tall, Deadmarsh may not have been physical big presence, but his fighting personality was huge. Uh, played one year in Quebec before the team moved to Colorado where he played another six seasons. He won a Stanley Cup with the team in 96, but his name needed to be corrected as it was initially spelled Deadmarsh on the Cup. Uh, he didn't get a chance to win the second Cup of the Avs as he went to Los Angeles in the midseason 01, part of the trade that brought Rob Blake and Stephen Ramprek to the Ramprek? whatever, to the Avalanche, and they won the Cup. That's That's got to suck when you get traded, and then the team wins the Cup. Uh, one for the books is when he threw rounds with Darren McCarty in a historical game that included a bench-clean brawl and the goalie fight between the Avalanche and the Red Wings in 97. Um, yeah, unfortunately, you know, with the with the head injuries with Deadmarsh and stuff, but power forward guy, um, unfortunately the knockout to from Jovanovski really, really messed him up. Um, I, I didn't mind Dead Martin. He was awesome in the Western Hockey League, though. Oh, um, but, um, uh, yeah, again, we're put, fights. Uh, he was okay. I mean, you know, I'm not calling him, you know, oh, he's a pussy or anything like that. No, he wasn't at all. But um, I'm just thinking the Colorado Avalanche and the guys that have gone through there, I would not have Dead March on the list, but, or Dead March, according to the Stanley Cup. But, um, all right. Well, these lists are really been, they've been really something here. All right. Um, okay. I mean, he's not completely egregious, but it's, yeah, we're not, we're not off to a good start here. <clears throat> Number three, Ian LaPerriere, nicknamed Lappy. She really likes to throw in the nicknames. Uh, 66 fights at the Avalanche. Four scenes of Colorado live here, threw down nearly six dozen times. There's always a player defending his teammates on the ice. One of his most notable brawls came against Dion Phaneuf. Oh, all right. Well, that's it. Um, I'm down with LaPierre. I really liked him, actually. Um, I could see him making this list. Like you said, 66 fights with Colorado. That's pretty strong. I can't see, especially if you're not counting the Nords. Um, I, don't, I don't think anybody. Who would have had more fights than that with the Avalanche? I, not many, I wouldn't think. So, um, yeah, I'd have him on this list. I definitely, I would definitely have him in front of Dead Marsh and a foot. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess we got. I got to see who the other two. In my head, I'm thinking who the other two should be. Uh, whether Colleen here believes it or not, we'll see. Let's see. Here we go. Number two. Jeff Rogers. All right, seventy-two fights with Color. All right, yeah, yeah. I'd have Rogers in front of Lapierre. Uh, six feet tall, didn't score many goals in the three seasons he was with the Avalanche, but he put up numbers on the put numbers up on the fight board. Rogers never shied away from a scrap and held his own against other big time enforcers such as Ty Domi and Bob Probert. Um, yeah, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna say anything bad about Jeff Rogers. Saskatchewan boy has been on my show a couple times. Super nice guy. Again, as I said about Jim Cummins earlier, video fighter would go toe-to-toe, stick his chin out and go for it. There was no wrestling. Fight everybody's fight card is awesome. 
Audrey's is awesome. Totally belongs on this list. I love Jeff Audrey's and, uh, yeah. Um, huh. There's, a, there's a few guys that are, cause we're at one, we got one left here and there's a few guys that, uh, are missing. So let's see here. Number one, who do you folks think it is? Let's all yell together. I'm yelling Scott Parker, but let's see what you guys yelled and let's see what Colleen said. Cody McLeod. Huh. Well, 129 fights with the Avalanche. Okay, well, there you go. Um, I didn't realize he fought that much with the, with the Avalanche. Um, Colorado's most fights in the history award goes to Cody McLeod, who fought 129 times in the decade. Six foot two forward had one seat. Only had one season without more than a century's worth of penalty minutes during his time with the Avalanche. One of McLeod's most memorable fights against Chris Thorburn in 2016. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, like if you're talking about fights in a Colorado, I, I still wouldn't put Cody McLeod in front. Well, they have Chris Simon too. He's not on here. Yeah, so you know, Parker, Simon. I don't know who else could... Uh, Avalanche. Uh, well, I mean, Curtis McDermott nowadays. Um, Severin, Dingman. I know Dingman catches a lot of shit, but I mean... You know, would you put Dead Marsh and Foot in front of Dingman? No. Um, Bortolo. I don't know how many fights Bortolo had, though. But he'd be tougher than Dingman and Dead... Or he'd be tougher than Dead Marsh and Foot. Foot has no business being on this list. Dead Marsh? No. I mean, if I'm doing the Avalanche... I would put Parker one just because he was there longer. If we're just doing Colorado, no Quebec... Um, I'd have Parker one because he was there longer. I'd have Simon two, three. I would have McLeod, four Odgers, and five Lappy. That would be my uh, those would be my picks. Um, yeah, Colleen, you shit the bed on this one. I gotta say, um, not that I have a problem with Cody McLeod. If you want to say number one because he had the most fights, is okay. I, I can all right. I mean, if we're actually, again, when I say we got to clarify these lists, when we do the best actual fighter to wear an avalanche uniform, well, I mean, I guess it could be argued Simon over Parker. Um, so, okay. But I'd have Simon Parker 1-2 either way. Um, yeah. And then McLeod, then Audrey's and Lappy. Yeah, that's what I would do. But yeah, uh, Dead Marsh and Foot. Eh. We're reaching. We're reaching, Colleen. But there we go, folks. There's our there's our lists, our Colorado Avalanche and our uh, um, Arizona Coyotes. So I'll let you uh, mull those over, and uh, I look forward to if you have if you have uh, what are your what's your list? Let's hear the comment section here. I'm always I'm always down to hear from you guys. But uh, there we go, folks. There's uh, another edition, as Ed Whalen would say, another edition of Stampede Wrestling. Um, yeah, I always enjoy doing the list. Um, I always said, I always hope they're shitty cause then it's just funny. Uh, those were kind of shitty. So it was kind of funny. Um, but I want to thank everybody, uh, for taking the time to listen. Thank you everybody again for, uh, for the great response to the Catlin Big Snake interview. Um, I hope everybody has a great long weekend. Uh, you know, and, um, yeah, into September, into the fall season here. My birthday is a couple of weeks away on the 17th, so feel free to uh, to uh, hit your get the gifts in the mail now, so I can get them on my. 
<laughs> so I can get them on time. Um, no, I just, I kid. But um, as I always say, folks, um, I know there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hockey podcasts to listen to and the fact that you chose to listen to mine. I greatly, I really do. I greatly appreciate it. And thank you. And uh, the response lately, uh, the, sh- the show's been real strong lately. Um, really good um, feedback and uh, the numbers have been good. And uh, yeah, it's growing. I, I don't know if it's the little, the reels I'm doing on Facebook that I started to do now or, or what's going on. But um, you know, if, if you know someone, pass on. Tell them there's an old-time hockey podcast they, they listen to. And uh, as I always say, this is your guys' show. And, uh, you know, it's a show for the hockey fight fan because I'm a fight fan. And uh, this is your guys' show. And uh, if uh, if you want to be on the show and do the 10 rapid-fire questions or you have an interesting story, uh, drop me a line. Hockey fights, all one word, hockey fights at hotmail.com. Love to hear from you. If you just want to bullshit or you have a – and some constructive criticism to throw my way. I'm absolutely, I'm all ears. And uh, if there's something I'm, you want me to do, or if there's something I'm doing you don't want me to do, let me know. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So please feel free to drop me a line at any time. And uh, or if you're on social media, uh, my DMs are open, as the kids say. Send me, drop me a line. I'd love to hear from you. But uh, in the meantime, folks, I am going to get out of here. Thank you once again for tuning in. I hope everybody has a very happy Labor Day. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?